thank you all for tuning in to another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast called Paranormal Exposed. This is an evidence-based podcast that looks into paranormal occurrences that happen here in the United States. I'm your host, Michelle, and while I am a skeptic by nature, I really do want to be a believer. I am both intrigued by the paranormal and open to the possibilities of what might be out there. Join me every Wednesday as I dive into a different paranormal topic and present to you what is real, what is not real, and what may just be in between. I will present both the historical facts as well as the paranormal reports, and we will see where the two meet. Join me in exposing the paranormal. This week's episode takes us out to the beach, and I will be covering the Cavalier Hotel in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For those of you not familiar with Virginia Beach, it's a pretty popular tourist destination on the east coast of the United States. The spring through fall months bring in tons of people visiting not only the three mile long boardwalk, but also the various restaurants, shopping, aquarium, and of course, the beach. When you visit, you of course need a place to stay, right? Well, what better place to stay than the Grand Cavalier Hotel? Construction on this hotel began in the year 1926. And after just over a year, this seven-story hotel opened its doors on April 4th of 1927. The project ended up costing two million US dollars at the time which, accounting for inflation, would be over $35 million today. So needless to say, it was a very grand and extravagant hotel. The hotel was actually named in a naming contest that was placed in a local newspaper versus being named after someone who built it and things like that. The hotel, when completed, featured 195 guest rooms, and was located on 350 acres, with a majority of the acreage featuring a golf course for the guests to enjoy. Guests had various other amenities at the hotel that weren't commonplace for hotels at that time, and really brought an added sense of luxury to its more luxurious guests. Some examples of this are bathtubs in the guest rooms featured an extra special handle that would actually fill the bathtub with salt water that was pumped directly from the ocean. This might sound weird as nowadays we don't exactly think of relaxing in a bathtub meaning filled with salt water that's kind of cold as the ocean water is nice to get into but it can be just chilly soaking in it and not swimming. But Back in the 1920s, salt water was actually seen as medically beneficial, and women even stated it helped their complexion, and so therefore they would bathe in the water, stating they felt better after the bath in the ocean salt water. They could also get ice-cold tap water in their rooms, which was extremely unheard of at this time. This was before people even had refrigerators or refrigerator systems or even air conditioning. 
So having ice cold tap water in your room was really something. And how the hotel did this is they actually kept huge ice filled tubs in the hotel at all times to supply this water to their guests. As you can see from these examples, the hotel really went out of the way to ensure the comfort and the happiness of the guests. The hotel became really popular very quickly, and this was mainly for three reasons. First off, the hotel had its own train station, which made traveling to and from the hotel much, much easier. This was important as at the time, trains and boats were the most commonly used methods of travel versus what we use today, which would be more cars and airplanes. Speaking of airplanes, it is only 20 miles from the nearest airport for anybody wanting to visit the Cavalier Hotel today. When guests would arrive at the train station or by boat, hotel limousines would pick them up and bring them to the hotel, so they didn't need to worry about catching a ride or hailing a taxi. The other two things that made it popular were that it was close to the beach with amazing views as the hotel is actually built on a hill. And it also had a beach club for guests to enjoy. The hotel was beautifully done and was not for those looking for a cheap getaway weekend. The hotel was geared towards the wealthy and brought them to the hotel in droves. The hotel claims to have hosted very famous and wealthy guests and even features pictures of these guests in the hallways. Some of these more famous guests include presidents, Frank Sinatra, Muhammad Ali, Bob Hope, and Bing Crosby. It brought in many famous musicians because in 1929, that is when the Cavalier Beach Club opened. At the beach club, big artists would come in to perform for those staying at the hotel. Guests enjoyed the luxuries at this hotel for about 15 years, and that is until World War II broke out. The military took over the hotel, with the Navy actually setting up base here in October of 1942, and they used the hotel to train recruits in using different radar technologies. They used every room in the hotel with so many soldiers on site that they had to house some of the soldiers in some of the stables that were on the grounds. They did things such as draining the pool, using radar technology in there, so they didn't treat it very nicely. After the war, the hotel eventually reopened, but it wasn't in the best state after years of military occupation. For the next two decades it was open, it was basically used as a private club. They tried reopening it to the public for a few years, though in 1973, it ended up closing its doors. This happened mainly as a new hotel called the Cavalier Oceanfront opened to basically replace this aging hotel, as it was more cost-effective to build and open a new one than to go about trying to fix and update the old hotel. Luckily for the Cavalier Hotel, this is not the end of its story. 
1976, the owners decided to reopen for operation due to the continued popularity of the area in Virginia Beach and also due to the mass public outcry about this historic hotel closing its doors and possibly being demolished. The hotel continually operated and was owned by one family, though the family had a huge falling out resulting in the courts ordering the family to actually sell the hotel. By this point, the hotel was in quite a state of disrepair and many people were worried that someone was just going to purchase the hotel only to demolish it and build a newer, larger hotel. In 2012, a group called the Cavalier Associated purchased the hotel. And luckily for this historic hotel, the group wanted to restore the hotel versus demolishing it. They ended up having to sink in about 85 million US dollars in renovations, and it took four years to complete. In 2018, the Cavalier Hotel finally reopened and is actually now part of the Marriott Hotels brand. The group was also able to get the hotel added to the National Register of Historic Places in 2014. Renovations updated the interior to be a bit more modern, but they did keep its historic charm and character. Instead of the 350 acres, the hotel now sits on 21 acres of land and no longer features the huge golf course. The hotel looks pretty impressive and enormous from the outside, but actually now only has 85 rooms, which is 110 rooms less than it had originally. This might sound like a bad business plan, right? I mean, you're getting rid of 110 rooms that you could be booking out in an extremely popular tourist destination. But it's not a bad business plan for those who are paying to stay at this luxury hotel. The rooms are now much bigger and there are large suites for families and more long-term stays. In addition to guest rooms, there are multiple restaurants, a two-level pool and hot tub area. They even have their own distillery and a spa on site. The on-site spa offers nine treatment rooms, relaxation areas, plunge pools, sauna and steam rooms, and a Himalayan salt room. So as I said, not for those looking for a cheap weekend getaway. There is also a ballroom, fitness room, and a conference room. Guests using the beach club on site also have access to a private stretch of beach, a saltwater pool, and a restaurant there. The beach club is across the street from the hotel, so guests can enjoy a relaxing shuttle ride to and from the beach club or really anywhere they'd like within a three-mile radius of the hotel. That's perfect as guests can enjoy visiting nearby historical sites and the famous Virginia Beach Boardwalk. You can also visit the Cavalier Hotel's two sister hotels, which actually make up what is called the Cavalier Resort. If you do want to just stop in and visit the hotel to see it, they are more than happy to welcome you. You can do tastings and tours at their on-site distillery, which makes bourbon, whiskey, and vodka. 
You can also do a free self-guided tour of the hotel. All you have to do is ask at the front desk and they'll give you a book to guide you on your tour. The tour will actually teach you the history about the hotel's architecture and even covers its haunted history. Speaking of haunted history, I think it's time to get into the spooky stuff. So let's talk about the hauntings. Orbs are very commonly spotted here at the Cavalier Hotel and show up in many pictures taken throughout the hotel. Are these the presence of spirits in the hotel? Is it dust? Are they bugs? I mean, this depends on your thoughts about orbs. It can go either way, and I'll leave that up to you to decide. Footsteps can be heard in various areas of the hotel, especially in the hallways and on one of the main stairways. But who or what is walking around the hotel? No one can really say for sure, as there's never anyone around who could be making these ghostly footsteps. Another strange occurrence that guests report in their rooms has to do with their towels. And it's kind of nice to see a different report in a hotel versus the regular orbs, sounds, things like that. So with the towels, what will happen is guests will leave their rooms only to return a few seconds to minutes later and find that the towels in their rooms have been replaced. But the strangest thing about it is the hotel towels are a certain color. All of them are the same. And the towels in their rooms that are replaced are with a completely different color and pattern. And when asked, the hotel staff reports that they did not change the towels in the room. When people go back to investigate, the original towels are back in place, not the different colored ones that the hotel used many decades ago. Could it be a practical joke by the staff? A spirit who prefers the old towels to the new? Or maybe the bathroom somehow flickers between the past and the present? Now, while covering the haunted occurrences, let's of course start with the most well-known ghostly presence at the hotel. And that is the man named Adolf Kors, who was the founder of the Kors Brewing Company. If you are listening to this episode and safely somewhere where you're not going to be driving, this would be a great time to raise your can or bottle of Coors or Coors Light in his honor if you happen to have one on hand. Adolf Coors didn't come to the Cavalier Hotel for a beach vacation. He basically came here to start feeling better. He had recently been diagnosed with a case of the flu, so the doctors recommended that a climate change and fresh air would do him good, which wasn't uncommon in this time. Remember, this was the 1920s, so medicine wasn't what it is today. There was no medication or treatment for the flu and various other conditions versus eat right, get some fresh air and sunshine, and hopefully you'll feel better. Mr. Coors, his wife, his daughter, and his granddaughter made the trip to the Cavalier Hotel in April of 1929 and stayed in room 606. Luckily for the Coors couple, the Cavalier might have just been what they needed. 
Mr. Coors began gradually feeling better, which was quite a relief, especially to his wife. On June 5th of 1929, an employee heard something outside of the hotel, but they weren't sure what it was. It just basically sounded like a large thud. The employee went to check things out and see what could have made the noise, and their scream was so loud that it drew quite a crowd to the scene. Lying there was the body of 82-year-old Mr. Coors himself. He was lying dead on the concrete patio outside the hotel. The coroner examined his body and stated that Mr. Coors had died of a fall, though no actual autopsy was ever actually performed on Mr. Coors. This is kind of strange for such a wealthy and infamous man, though maybe they didn't think they needed to perform an autopsy since his cause of death was pretty easy to figure out. The man was said to have fallen out of the sixth floor window from his room. So what happened to cause the death of Mr. Coors and how did he fall? Again, Mr. Coors and his wife and family had been staying in a room on the sixth floor, room 606. It was assumed that Mr. Coors had jumped to his death from the sixth floor, though no suicide note was ever found and suicide is not mentioned in any of the official documentation. Also odd is that there are rumors that the windows in his room were found closed and locked. So how did he jump if the windows were locked? Did he accidentally fall? Did he jump and take his own life? Or did someone murder him? That is a tough question, and to this day, no one knows. There are three main theories about why he would have been murdered if he did not commit suicide or fall on accident. One is that he made an enemy in business and was dealt with in a very, very final way. This could be true, but with prohibition, it's not like he had any competition in the beer market. Another theory is that his wife killed him so that she could take over all of his money. Though in all reports, she was a loving wife who doted over him while he was ill. Then again, could she have been acting to hide her true purpose? Mr. Kors' wife, Louisa, testified that she was in the room when Mr. Kors met his end. She stated he woke up early in the morning then without saying a word, he walked to the window and jumped. Do you believe her? Why would a man in Mr. Core's position take his own life? This brings us to the third reason. Some think it may have to do with business at the time. The government had implemented prohibition, making it illegal to make and sell alcohol. This was a hard blow to a company that brews beer for profit. His company had to switch gears and actually use the factory to make other goods versus being able to brew beer. Many think he took his life due to a failing business, but the company was actually doing quite well. 
They were making pottery, malted milk, and porcelain. And while they couldn't make beer, they weren't exactly struggling. Another thing to think about is that Mr. Coors was retired from the Coors Brewing Company. He had given control of the company to his son six years earlier. So in the last few years, he had spent his time traveling, including places in the Caribbean. And why would he be so focused on getting better from the flu, only to go to a beautiful resort and end his own life? It just doesn't make sense. We may never know the answer. While Mr. Corr seemed in bright spirits and was feeling better, maybe he had underlying depression that no one knew about. Sometimes people try to hide their depression and don't talk to anybody, especially in a time when men were having to be strong and couldn't show their emotions. They were there to take care of their wife and family. So a man struggling with depression would really want to hold it in. But regardless of the reason, maybe one day Mr. Kors will find a way to let us know what happened, as he is still a current guest at the hotel almost 100 years later. Many people still report seeing his apparition throughout the hotel, and one person actually claims to have gotten a photograph of the ghost of Mr. Kors himself. In 1970, a woman stated that she actually caught the image of Mr. Kors on film while she was taking pictures at her niece's wedding. She didn't realize this till years later when she came across a picture of Mr. Kors and immediately recognized him as the man in the photo at her niece's wedding. It is also said there is a residual haunting where Mr. Kors met his untimely end. Many people have seen his body falling and worse, have even heard the sound of him hitting the concrete where he fell. Near the area where he fell, as well as near the window in the room where he fell from, cold spots are very, very common. And in that room, windows open themselves up in all seasons, which I'm sorry, would be kind of annoying if you come back to your room and there's snow all over the floor and your room is freezing. Voices and footsteps are also heard in room 606, especially in the back corner. In addition to these accounts, could Mr. Kors account for the next report? In the hotel's earlier years, they would close down during the winter months when tourist season dwindled. Because if you aren't familiar with Virginia, it does get pretty cold and snowy in the winter. While they were closed for the season, they did still need security guards to make sure the hotel wasn't vandalized and was kept in order. One night in the winter months, a security guard was allegedly locking up for the night he walked out of the hotel and had to do a double take because when he looked back, he saw a light was on in one of the windows on the sixth floor. He immediately went back into the hotel and faced the intruders, but when he reached the sixth floor, all the lights were off and everything seemed in order. He found no signs of intruders and nothing amiss. One worker at the hotel will also tell you one floor is reported to be home to a few ghosts, 
and that, of course, is the sixth floor. This worker is an older gentleman who likes to wear his bellboy uniform, and he usually assists those who are heading to the sixth floor from the stairway. He does this by standing on the stairs leading to the sixth floor so he can warn you and you actually have to walk past him. He even goes so far as to recommend that you request a room on a different floor to avoid the ghostly activity. You might wonder why the hotel would allow this employee to scare its customers like this. It could possibly cause a loss of business. Maybe it's because of his actual position in the hotel. Staff at the hotel will tell you no one by that description works there. The uniform guests describe is also a uniform that hasn't been worn in decades by staff members. Though there are a few reports that also state the man wore a military uniform, which could harken back to the days the hotel was used by the Navy. Some reports also state he is a black man in an old World War I uniform. It could be possible that this ghostly employee might not realize that he's a ghost. Though it is hard to say with so many different reports of this ghost. He's either an older white gentleman in a bellboy uniform, a young black gentleman in a naval uniform, or a man in a World War I uniform. I'd like to hear a more concrete consensus personally before I would believe maybe that this ghost actually does haunt the stairway. Now, for some reason, no matter if you are in a hotel, a home, on a ship, wherever it may be, ghosts somehow like to play the piano. Maybe it's because they played it in their real life, or maybe it's the only way they know how to get the attention of the living. Either way, this hotel is no exception to the rule, and there is a piano in the ballroom that reportedly plays itself. The piano had quite a bit of use in the early days of the hotel, and it is thought that the performers of that time returned to relive their glory days or perform for guests. This could be true if spirits can flit to and from multiple places, though when the hotel shut down in the 70s, it was cleared out of all its furniture and decorations. The hotel wasn't going to be used again, so they sold everything off, which leaves me wondering if there was even the original hotel piano there. It seems more likely that it would be a new piano. But again, spirits may enjoy playing it regardless. Heck, maybe Mr. Coors enjoys playing the piano while his guests enjoy a Coors Light. Another haunted occurrence that tends to be reported at any place with an elevator is, of course, paranormal activity with the elevators. The difference is, it is not a reported occurrence when the hotel is open. It was only reported when the hotel was closed for renovations, and those who were working on the project stated the elevators seemed to have a life of their own. They would go up and down to various floors at their own will. So it's possible the renovations upset the spirits residing here and led to more activity being noticed. 
phantom phone calls are a frequent occurrence in the hotel, though unlike reports I've heard before, these all come from inside the hotel. And not only are they from inside the hotel, but they all come from the same room on the sixth floor of the hotel. If you couldn't guess, it's room 606, which was Mr. Kaur's hotel room. Each time this call goes to the reception desk, they answer the phone, but there's no one there. And each time, there was no one booked in that room for the night. The Becca restaurant in the hotel is very popular, so it's recommended that if you'd like to eat there, you should make a reservation well in advance. If you don't, you may be turned... The Becca restaurant in the hotel is very popular, so it's recommended that if you'd like to eat here, you should make a reservation in advance. If you don't, you may be turned away from being able to dine in the restaurant for that night. That's what happened to one woman who approached the host at the restaurant. She asked for a table, but the host told her there was nothing available for the evening and that she would have to make reservations for another night if she wished. The woman was clearly upset, turned away, and as she walked away, completely vanished. This ghostly customer does this frequently enough to attract attention from staff and other guests. But she isn't always just trying to get dinner. Sometimes she is spotted walking near the restaurant with her dog walking at her side. Dogs are cute, but many times in stories, dogs kind of get all the attention. So let's not forget about the ghostly cat that prowls the halls of this magnificent hotel. Employees and guests of the hotel have seen this phantom cat as well as the spirit of a young girl. The two are never seen together, but seem to be looking for each other. This has led to many people speculating on the origin of these two spirits. And the conclusion most people have reached is that the girl was staying here with her family. And of course, no vacation is complete without bringing the family pet, their cat. It is believed that during the family's stay here, the cat got out of the room and fell into the pool. The girl tried to rescue her cat by jumping in, but sadly they both drowned in the pool. This is purely speculation, and I'd personally go with a different narrative. Cats hate water, but actually swim quite well, and usually kids do too. If the girl couldn't swim, I'm assuming someone would have rushed to save a screaming girl in a pool. Regardless of how these two spirits may have attached themselves to the hotel, many reports of these two spirits are voiced by guests and employees alike. The pool legend began as when spotted, the girl is usually walking around the pool and it seems like she's looking for something. And it is assumed she is looking for her cat. I'm not sure why this assumption is made, as no one reports hearing her call for her cat. I mean, it might be that she's looking for something as simple as a lost piece of jewelry or a toy she had, 
or a pool toy. It might be assumed if the apparitions are spotted around the same time frame, maybe, but I couldn't verify this either. The girl could be the cause of the next report. One guest at the hotel went to the pool for a swim as it was really hot outside that day. She heard a splash in the water behind her, so she turned to look who else was in the pool with her so she could say hello. But when she turned around, all she saw was the water rippling and no one else was in the pool. The cat presents with more activity than the girl. It can be heard scratching at doors in the hallways as well as meowing. Small paw prints of the cat are sometimes seen on one of the back staircases and some report they've even seen an apparition of the cat in the hallways. This isn't the only place the paw prints appear though. It is said that there are some paw prints of a cat visible in the newly laid foundation during the hotel's remodel. Then again, it could have just been a stray cat in the area. Or was it the ghost cat? Could it be the cat is searching for someone who loves it and provided it a home? Perhaps it is a young girl spotted near the pool and the two are stuck searching for each other in all the wrong places. There's definitely a lot going on with this stately hotel. We have cats, children, entertainers, and a famous beer maker. The question is, do you think this hotel is haunted by any of these guests? Or maybe a guest I didn't mention. Have you been to the hotel and done the tour or seen anything, heard anything? I'd love to hear anything else you might be able to share with this episode. And did you enjoy the episode? If you did, make sure you rate and follow this podcast wherever you tune in as it really helps the podcast move forward and you can also be alerted when the next episode is ready. I will be posting pictures and links associated with the story, so make sure you follow social media to get more on the story of the Cavalier Hotel and its ghostly tenants. You can follow on Facebook at Paranormal Exposed, on Instagram at The Paranormal Truth, or you can always shoot an email over to paranormalexposedpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in and supporting this podcast, and I'll catch you all next Wednesday.